Good evening, everyone. So we gathered on the auspicious occasion of the appearance of Advaita Chargers, Sriman Advaita Charger Kijai. So he is, of course, an important figure in the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there are many things that could be said about him, but I'll draw tonight from the verses, two verses of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami found in his Mangal Charn and his suspicious invocation to Chaitanya Charitamrita. And um, in those verses he speaks about the ontological position of Advaita Charja and who, who is spoken about further, obviously, in the texts, in the, in the context of the narrative. He's a very uh, prominent player, and we have discussed this before to some extent, but these verses seem appropriate for this evening. I'll recite them for you. They're original Sanskrit compositions, excuse me, of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Mahabishnur Jagatkarta Mayaya Yasrijati Adha Tasyabhatare Vayamadvita Chajishpura Advaita Marinadvita Acharjam Bhakti Samshanat Bhaktavatara Mishamtam Advaita Charjam Ashraye. So he says, Mahabishnu Jagatkarta. And he refers well to Advaita here in these verses with the epithet Ishwar. So Ishwar means God, literally. Uh, it uh, it means like the controller, so uh, the will behind the world, so to speak. And Mahavishnu Jagatkarta here is described as a world maker. Jagatkarta. Karta means like to make, to do, a world doer, a world maker. So he's the agent of, principal agent of action behind the world. And identified with Mahavishnu, Mayaya, Ya Srijati, Adha. And Srijati means, refers to the a particular Leela of um, Bhagwan, yeah, of the Godhead. Here, Leela of the Paramatma called the Shristi Leela. Leela of, of manifesting the world. It's uh, said in the sutras of Vedanta to be something that occurs out of, uh, out of an exuberance and overflowing of joy. Lokavatu Lilakaivalyam. The implication is that the world making, if you will, on the part of the Godhead is not something that is done out of any necessity on his part other than the nature of the necessity that is um, 
attached to love itself. So love is, a, is fulfilling, but it has its own necessity. It has a necessity, for example, to share itself, to celebrate itself. When you're in love, you, you want to tell other people about it. I met this guy, and he was fantastic. And uh, you want to celebrate it. You want to share it. Um, so the world is something like that. It is not something that the Godhead manifests out of any anything that's lacking within him, hmm? any need, hmm? but out of, out of fullness. Hmm? So, I'll read the translations at least. At any rate, Ishwar Advaita Charja is the avatar of Mahavishnu, who manifests the material world in conjunction with Maya. Because he is non different from Hari, he is called Advaita. Because he propagates Bhakti, he is called Acharya. He is both God and the avatar of God in the form of a devotee. I take shelter of him. So, again, Ishwar Advaita is the avatar of Mahavishnu, who manifests the world, Maya Yasrijatiyata, in conjunction with Maya. So, in our discussion this morning, based on a question from Prahlad Bhakta, uh, this, something about what's being described here, the implications of that um, um, constituted my reply to his inquiry. His inquiry was that it seems to say that some places that Advaita is Mahavishnu, some places says that he's Shiva. And so how do we balance um, this out? And um, so forgive me if there's some repetition in what I said this morning here, but it's worth um, reiterating. Um, the idea here is that um, in order for the inanimate achit unknowing matter, whirl of matter, to have a life, so to speak, it requires the touch of consciousness. This is the idea. Without that, according to the, the, the Sankhya philosophy, um, the, the Bhagavad Sankhya, the matter is in a kind of a state of equilibrium and still. And so it's it's thought that while the matter is the ingredients of the world, and that's a partial cause of the world, similarly, and also, I should say also, there is an instrumental cause. And I've given the example, the classic example of the pot and the potter the clay pot and the potter. So the clay pot is made out of clay, and the clay is the cause of the pot in conjunction with the potter, who puts it on a wheel and spins it, and we have the pottery, the pot. So the Godhead is the instrumental cause, the potter, and material nature is the clay. Something like that. So these two together. This is the basic idea of uh, Vedanta, and the Mahavishnu is the is said to reflect upon the world by um, the, the, uh, it, it's described as 
glancing. His glancing means that he casts his will. Hmm. Mahavishnu doesn't directly associate with, with matter. It's said in the Bible, I've heard, I never read it, but I think it's, it's some of you told me it's said in the Bible that, that if, a, if a man casts his glance upon a woman, the implication is with s- some lustful um, desire, then he's, he's, he's gone there, so to speak. He's, he's guilty or something like, something like that. Hmm? So <laughs> it is said that Vishnu never associates with Maya, but he glances at her. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, he has nothing to gain from, from the Maya Shakti, obviously, from inert matter, but uh, his glancing upon her, again, is his own exuberance to expand himself, the one desiring to become many. This is the will behind the world, if you will. The one desires to become many. Um, It's another sense in which love is full, but seeks to expand itself. It's full and, and expanding at the same time. So the one becomes many. We are the many. And, um, and then the, the many are carried, metaphorically, poetically speaking, in the glance of Vishnu. So the glance itself has an ontological position. The, w- the will hmm, of Vishnu. And the jivas are in the glance. And so the jivas are kind of impregnated, this type of um, said the sensibilities are invoked in the texts into the womb, the yoni of material nature. And, and then this causes the matter that's in equilibrium to move out of the equilibrium and start to have a motion of itself. Hmm? And so, again, in the general sense, Vishnu is the instrumental cause and matter is the ingredient cause. But sometimes it's the way Krishnadas Kaviraj looks at it uh, in explaining the ontological position of Advaitas is that he says that also the material nature itself can be looked at as both the instrumental and the efficient cause, or material cause, excuse me, instrumental and, and material cause, ingredient cause. And what does he mean by that? He says there's the pradhan, so this is like the modes of nature in equibalance. Hmm? And then there's the goddess of maya, the goddess of Maya is is a is a shadow, if you will, of Ramadevi, the the consort of the Mahavishnu, hmm? with in with with whom he enters into Yoga Nidra. He sleeps; they sleep together in Yoga Nidra. Hmm? Mystic. Hmm? Hmm? With Ramadevi, yeah. So she is Parashakti. Now the goddess personifying material nature 
develop some desire. The idea is this is to to make to 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 um, to connect with her source, Ram Devi, whom she's a shadow of, in the context of causing the material world to go into motion, if you will. And so, because of that, this gives rise to Ram Devi, Rama Devi, and Mahavishnu bringing about, so to speak, the, the world through the glancing. In other words, the goddess presiding over material nature connects with Ram Devi, Ram Devi, Rama Devi and Vishnu connect. They wake up and the world is set in motion. Hmm? And so, because it's initiated, in a sense, by the goddess Maya, she's the instrumental cause. Instrumental cause is, again, desire here. So if you desire to have a pot, well, then you're going to get the clay. But the desire is driving the, the, that which turns the top of the clay into a pot in the pottery, in the potter's example. So, um, take, and then he says the other side of it is that on Mahavishnu's side, who's in a more general sense thought to be the, the instrumental cause with Maya as the ingredient cause, just as we can say within the material nature, there is both ingredient and efficient cause. So within Vishnu, hmm? on the other side we can say there's both. He's both the ingredient and the efficient cause. Hmm? So as the, in, the ingredient cause, excuse me, as the efficient cause, instrumental cause, this is the Mahavishnu. And there is another manifestation of the Mahavishnu. Hmm? Perhaps, and it, perhaps, the very glance itself has an ontological position, as I say, contains the jivas, and that glance itself activates material nature. Hmm? Um, And that personified activation and uh, instilling within nature a creative power is a second, an anga, he says. An anga. An anga means a limb, a limb of Mahavishnu. Hmm? He says, not an amsa, but an anga. Amsa means a part, an anga means a limb. And what Krishnas Kaviraj wants to say by this is that saying that he's a limb makes him more intimately connected. Hmm? Like a, not an amsa, of the Mahavishnu, which is more distant, but his own very part, like the arm is the limb of the body. Hmm? So he, he, he makes a differentiation between Anga and Amsa, speaking of, in terms of affection, closeness, and so forth, and says this other manifestation, the second manifestation of Mahavishnu, is the Anga of Mahavishnu. It's a, it's a, a particular... expression of the Mahavishnu that presides over the pradhan, material nature, 
and invests creative power in it. Now, I gave the example this morning, it's worth repeating, that if you have a television set, it requires a viewer to turn it on. Hmm? So, for example, in relation to matter, we kind of turn it on as the viewer. But matter has its own power, so to speak. Power of gravity or electromagnetic force or something like that. Hmm? And so this kind of power is thought to be instilled in matter. Just like if you're watching a television, yes, it requires that you turn it on, but inside the television, the television itself has some powers, has wires and connections and, and subtle waves and whatnot that cause the picture to show. So this is all the workings. Hmm? It's kind of the unconscious workings. Hmm? The consciousness is the viewer, and even there appears to be consciousness within it, it's all... You can just turn just the television. You can just turn those. I mean, I'm just giving an example. So, the power of material nature, the, its own kind of force and power, independent of the jivas, is this is instilled by Mahabishnu. And this particular form of Mahabishnu, he says, this he appears as a dweta acharya. So he appears to be connected, hmm? well, he's very intimately connected with the manifestation of the world, as I'm describing, with the glancing of Vishnu and so on and so forth. Um, and the world, as we know, is, well, I said, it's manifest out of, out of joy, out of love. It's, and I've described it further out as as the the expression of compassionate love on the part of the Godhead in the spiritual world, where is the, where is the question of comparison of compassion? But but Narayan has a desire to bestow mercy, a form of mukti, sarupya, salokya, sharasti, samipa. So there needs to be a world for that. So uh, the the idea is that 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 that. Uh, Vishnu, as in the form of the Purushas, like Mahavishnu, and this special second form of Mahavishnu that Krishna, this is the only place we find this, Krishna's Kaviraj's writing here in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm. This idea um, is very much a kind of a, a compassion uh, personified, the very desire of compassion by Kunta played out in this way in the form of Mahavishnu and the Anga of Mahavishnu, whom would wait as an incarnation of. Hmm. Now, other authors, um, and early authors as well, have, like Kavikarnapur, for example, have identified, has identified Advaitacharya with Sadashiva. Sadashiva means a number of things. Shambhuni means a number of things in different places. Uh, the, the terms are used. Shambhu often refers to the glancing of Vishnu. Hmm. Um, but one of the things that the uh, Sadashiva refers to is the you have the two sides of Shiva. You have Shiva manifested in this world as a guna avatar, and you have on the side of liberation in the liberated world 
Beyond the Devi Dam is the Mahesh Dam, just before Vaikuntha Dam. And there Shiva is manifest as a devotee of Sankarshan in Vaikuntha, surrounded by other devotees. You go further, the Sadashiva is said to be manifest in Goloka as Chetrapal, the protector of the Dham. Further described as Gopishwar, the form of Shiva in which Shiva, which Shiva was given in order to, to participate in the rasa dance of Krishna. And having had a desire to do so, he was given the form of a gopi and posted at the gate of the rasa lila so that just to say who could come in, who who can't come in. Hmm? Well, Kavikarnapur doesn't mention that, but in identifying Advaita with Sadashiva, he says that in, it, in his Gauraganadeshti Pika, he says, and once it's mentioned in the Purana that Shiva, seeing Krishna and Balaram and their friends dancing in abandon in Sakyarasa, desired to experience that. And Krishna gave him a form as a cowherd boy in Goloka. So this is a comp, 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 like many of the people, uh, the, the spiritual figures in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the, the Shiva's rather complex as well. So he has a form as a gopi, he has a form as a gopa. It's not our, that's not within our possibilities, but for Shiva, it's, such things are possible. And this form, so this is where, for example, if you look at Gaudiya Vaishnavism and you take what Krishna does, Kaviraj Goswami says here, which we should, he's identifying Advaita Charge with, with a particular Anga of Mahavishnu and Okay, he's compassionate. He calls Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world. He wants to distribute bhakti, so on and so forth. But then you might question, well, you know, he, he, the bhakti that he gives is it going to be a Vaikuntha kind of bhakti, Advaita. So this seems to be dealt with in Kavikarnapur's work and in the work of, um, I guess, was it Kavikarnapur also wrote another... Uh, Chaitanya Chandradaya Nataka, I believe the, the drama about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I believe it was Kavikarnapur, yeah. uh, also identified with Sadashiva there. And then you get this connection of Advaita with Sakyarasa, Advaita as Gopishwar with Madhurya Rasa, and so forth. So, <laughs> so the bases are covered, so to speak, uh, in this regard. But that said, hmm, it's not something that um, Kavi, uh, Krishna's Kaviraj takes up here in his book. Hmm? He's concerned with uh, more of a base conception of Advaita Charja as an avatar of Mahavishnu and uh, in the role of compassion and Dasya Bhakti. The two, compassion and Dasya Bhakti, are very, very different. Hmm? So the lower side really is his compassion. The higher side is his Dasi Bhakti. Hmm? And um, with regard to the compassion, well, then his name here is Advaita. Hmm? So, Mahavishnu Jagatkarta Mayaya Gasvijati Adha. He's part of the creation and so forth and so on, as we're hearing. And also, 
his his name is Advaita, hmm? and tasya bhutare bhayam Advaita charja Ishvara Advaitam Harinadvaita. So he ends the first verse. He begins the first verse by speaking about uh, this uh, Advaita's big guy. Hmm? It's the same thing he's done when he's talked about Nityananda Prabhu. He's got five verses in the in the previous chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita, describing Nityananda Prabhu, all describing him in terms of the manifestation of the world, the the expander of the Dham, the Paravyom. Uh, he's like everywhere woven within the world. You can't get away from him. He's at support and so forth. These are people who appear <laughs> in Bengal. Hmm? And, or so it would appear, he is very bent, Krishna's Kaviraj, on speaking about them in such a way that we do not think of them as ordinary people. Hmm. And he'll go on in the narrative, and then they'll have their human-like expressions of interactions with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the other devotees and so forth. But these two, Advaita and Nityananda, along with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're all directly, well, Vishnu Tattva is the idea. So there's the three, two Prabhus, one Mahaprabhu, and then there are everything else is the Shaktis. So the sense in the words that they are God, Nityananda and Advaita, he really wants to bring that out. It seems to be very much uh, a a concern on his uh, part. And so that's what he emphasizes here. When he closes the first verse of these two Mongol verses of his, Tasyabhataram Evayam Advaita Charja, Ishvara, he says, he begins the next one with the same, Advaita Harinadvaitad. So he said, he, 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 in other words, he wants to talk about the name Advaita. His name is Advaita. He's the avatar of Mahavishnu, so on and so forth. And Advaita, as Advaita, Advaita Harinadvaita means he is non-different from from God, from Krishna. Advaita. He wants to explain the way in which the word Advaita is used. And it's 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 interesting because the name of Advaita, as Krishna speaks about him in his commentary, is one in which he really wants to drive a wedge between the understanding of Advaita Vedanta and Bhakti. So, Advaita Vedanta is a, is a school of Vedanta in which there's no Bhakti. It's a school of Vedanta in which it's thought that there is no individual self, there's one self. The individual self is just a misperception. When you get over it, there's one self and it just pulsates, so to speak, in, in eternity. So this is not the Vaishnava understanding, nor neither is it is it a is it a, a clear reading of the sacred texts. It's definitely an imposition in which ideas are imposed upon the texts, for example, by Shankar, Acharya, the greatest advocate of Dvaita Vedanta. So this school of thought is very, um, uh, it's kind of diametrically opposed in a way to the school of Bhakti, even while there are many similarities. 
Hmm. Um, so a sangskar for a dvaita is difficult to overcome hmm, and, and develop a sangskar, a tendency for bhakti, for devotion. If, uh, if the Advaita idea is based on, among other things, the knowledge that there is consciousness and it's kind of monistic idealism. The idea is that there is no world. The world is, doesn't really exist. There's only, a, there's, only the, there's only Brahman. The Atma's Brahman. This is kind of world, well, it's very much world-denying, and it is an advocacy of a kind of inaction. It's very, very much an advocacy that action is the problem. Inaction is the solution. And bhakti, by contrast, is, is full of action. And that's why, for example, in bhakti school of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even Shantarasa, which is a form of bhakti, is not considered, uh, not given much attention. Hmm? There is, Shanta is not overtly manifest, for example, in Goloka, therefore Charibhav, Dasya, Sakya, Batsalya, and Madhurya. Hmm? It's just, just barely within bhakti. And, to give another further insight into this, Shantarasa is the one stayibhav for Shanta that can be changed. Hmm. So it's a kind of a fence-sitting type of a position. Hmm. You're sitting on the fence, which could mean you could go one way or the other, but you're totally fixated on the grass on one side. But still you're not doing anything about it. <laughs> you're like, that's good grass. It really looks good. It really, it really looks good. Uh, but dasi means get off the fence and eat the grass and play in the grass and, and so on. So, so he, he, the, the name of the way to hear is not an advocacy. He's not, he's not a, a personification of Advaita Vedanta. Indeed, in the Leela, he stands very much... Um, uh, against this, and very much makes an effort to establish himself, even though he's a manifestation of Mahavishnu, to be uh, Adasya, a servitor. Hmm? So he says, Advaita Harinadvaitad. He's Advaita in the sense that he's non-different from, from the Godhead, but not in an, in an Advaita Vedanta sensibility. And therefore, Advaita Harinadvaitad Acharyam Bhakti Samshanat. Hmm? He's called Advaita, but we don't call him only Advaita. What do we call him? Advaita Acharya. His name is always Advaita Acharya. Advaita Acharya. Advaita Acharya. <laughs> Not Advaita Advaita. Acharya. Hmm? Acharyam Bhakti Samshanat. Because he's a teacher of bhakti, which has to be taught by example. Acharya means, achar means behavior. So, as I often say, example speaks louder than precept. So the example, that's going to have more power than me talking about it and setting it a contradictory example, for sure. That's what the parents do, usually. 
That's why kids don't follow them. <laughs> so, so he has qualified his name. He's his weight in the sense that he's non-different than Hari. And furthermore, he's an Acharya, which means he's teaching Bhakti, which further says he's not the personification of Advaita Vedanta. He's a teacher of Bhakti. And by his example, Bhaktabhatara Mishamtam Advaita Charja Mashray. So he's both goddesses and avatar of God, and I take shelter of him. Hmm? These are the verses. So in the commentary, hmm, as I say, uh, of Krishnadas on these verses, well, he makes the ontological, clarifies the ontological position of Advaita Acharya. Um, he uh, speaks a little bit about his compassionate nature in terms of calling Mahabharu. This is another reason, indeed, why he's called Advaita, because he made two into one. Advaita means one. <laughs> he made two into one. Who are the two? Radha and Krishna are the two, and they became one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. He made two into one and brought him to the world. Hmm. Out of a desire to bestow bhakti on the people of the world, he petitioned Krishna to come, and he came in a combined form of Radha and Krishna. Hmm. This compassion of Advaita, of course, is important to us, because um, it's kind of the it's kind of foundational to the life of the Vaishnava, and we see it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela in that Advaita, out of compassion, called for Krishna to come. He came in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and under the auspicious auspicious of Advaita, who is as a manifestation to Mahavishnu, the person through whom all the yuga avatars come. Yuga avatars are the avatars for the particular yugas that teach the, the dharma for the yuga. Hmm? And so there's two sides of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as we know. The esoteric internal side that he, where he's Krishna, pursuing the mood of Radha, the experience of Radha. And the external side where he is the yuga avatar and distributing the, uh, the the method of the yuga, the chanting of the name Nam Sankirtan and so forth. So this side of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is more or less under the auspices of Advaita. He brought him to the world hmm? and at a certain point in Puri, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was to Advaita that he turned and said, hmm? Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any more need for rice in the market, something like that. And nobody knew what he was talking about. The way to could understand, he nodded and said yes. It means Mahaprabhu thought, I've done the work of the Yuga, yuga Avatar. I've established what the Yuga Dharma is. Now can I get on with my other business? Advaita hmm? is giving him permission. And then Mahaprabhu's life started to turn internal. The public figure of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became more or less a recluse a private person, and surrounded by Ramananda Roy, Srup Damodar, as he tried to enter into the ecstasy of, of Radha and a contemplative type of life. He was out of the public view, for the most part. And then the further dissemination of 
Sankirtan is what was given to, to Nityananda Prabhu and others. Hmm? And so Advaita is, is kind of the, the presiding deity of the compassionate side of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Of course, we say that Radha is the compassionate nature of Krishna, so the appearance of this, this, this desire of Krishna to t- taste him, the experience of Radha has certain and far-reaching implications for the world. It causes another leela, and it's a very compassionate leela. Here is Krishna in the mood of Radha and called by Advaita for bestowing bhakti. Hmm? Um, so we find that this, the point I'm making is that this outreach, this compassion, this sharing, if you will, that was done by Mahaprabhu through Nam Sankirtan and as a public figure, hmm, was something that he, um, so to speak, put in place or that, uh, that, that a devotee following his example should, should see that it comes in place and as much as this, this comes in place, then there will be scope for inner life. Hmm. So it's not about fighting with other devotees about whose guru is best and, and so forth. That's not what inner life of Raghunuga Bhakti is about. Hmm. Hmm. The, 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 this is the, this is the, even, even the yogins and jnanis develop a sense of universal compassion because they've, they're standing, as much as they're successful in their practice and with a little help of bhakti, on the ground of being. Hmm? So this is really where the full place of compa- compassion can be expressed. I mean, if you, you know, if you, if you can give the example of a, of a of a, a, a young girl, a young girl is loved by a tiger, by a young boy, and by a sage. So the tiger loves the young girl, and he's just ready to devour her. Hmm? The boy, young boy, loves the young girl in another way. And a sage, mystic, also loves the young girl, hmm? but he doesn't want to devour her for dinner and. Doesn't want to take her out for dinner either. <laughs> either in either case, he has something else in mind that he sees. Hmm? He sees that uh, 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 the atma, the self, the real self, identifies with this, the ground of, of being, where being really is. I often say that having has nothing to do with being. Hmm? The sense that uh, that my being is derived from having is a very vacuous sense of of being and existence. Hmm? You know, we have we can have nothing and be much more. And oftentimes, even from materially speaking, poor people have more sense of being sometimes than wealthy people. Hmm? They don't know what to do with their money, frustrated, and so forth. And they they, they nobody likes them. Except if they have any money, they're always worried. Somebody wants to know me. Somebody wants to talk to me. They must want something. Hmm. Imagine this. It must be a very troublesome um, life. Everybody that approaches you, possibly, good chance, has some ulterior motive in mind. How would you like to be surrounded by people who only have ulterior motives in having a relationship with you? So you don't find this amongst the poorer people. I'm just giving kind of a crude example, that 
having being, real being, in a sense, is not derived from, from how much we have. It's not that now we have the haves and have-nots in the world, and the 99% have and the 1% you know, don't have. And, and I'm for all for economic equality and so forth, but, but there's more to life than that. Hmm? And the fullness of being is found when we can stand on the ground of being. Hmm? And our identity is not defined by what we have, by our attachments, that I'm not Polish or Mexican or, or Swedish or Italian or uh, North American or Central American, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Uh, and obviously these identities invariably get in the way of the sense of our sense that reality should be a union. Hmm? They invariably, to one extent or another, get in the way. Hmm? I mean, you may really like somebody a lot from another culture and sit down to eat and it becomes a problem. Hmm? For example, here in Costa Rica, they eat very bland food and probably in Mexico, it's very... You guys like the chilies over there, right? So it's like, what? It's a problem. So anyway, so... We have to go beneath the surface, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, this is where the full, like the fountain of compassion, so to speak. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka used to say that bhajan, the internal life, uh, spiritual culture, is performed on the canvas of advaigyan tattva, mm-hmm. non-dual knowledge. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, he means rising above the dualities of material existence. Hmm. Bhakti, bhakti rasa, is a post-liberated um, reality, hmm. and bhakti rasa, in the form of dasya, sakya, vatsalya, and madhurya, is way beyond universal compassion on on a ladder of love. But you won't get there without by skipping over. The compassion. You won't get there with your shoes on, so to speak. You have to enter in, in the context of bhakti. You have to enter into the ground of being what what I am. Hmm? To be all that I can be, I must know constitutionally is basically what I am. Hmm? And what I am then gives rise to what my prospect can be in relation to bhakti. Hmm? If I understand myself as Satchitananda, hmm? as the tasta, then I know that I have some prospect in relation to bhakti. Even my self-joy, hmm, the ananda of myself, will be exceeded by bhakti ananda. Hmm. It's very practical. Hmm. You, can, you can be a unit of love, but if there's no one to love, <laughs> then it... it, it uh, it's, it's, the experience of love is is limited thereby. Mm. So, so, so Krishna in his commentary then jumps into this whole idea of the dasya bhakti of um, Advaita Charja. It's a very Vaikuntha esque kind of explanation that sees all forms of bhakti as really being dasya. Mm. So. For example, in Vaikuntha, if Narayana on Janamastami shows his 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 his, his Braj Lila there, 
a kind of a semblance of the Braj Lila, hmm? all the Dasya Bhaktas will think that's that's interesting, that's nice, and they like they like that. It's all a form of Dasya. I think it's all coming out of Dasya. Dasya is the is the real rasa. This is the these are different expressions of it. Only hmm? um, there's a tendency in bhakti rasa to see. There's a saying, I think it's from Bhagavad, one sees others to be like oneself. So oftentimes the faults we find in other people are our own. Um, and if we find fault in people too much, they'll become ours. We keep meditating on the faults of others, they also become ours. So that's, that's also a problem. So in, but in bhakti, then, one tends to project also one's own bhakti on others. Hmm. So one starts to see others as better devotees than oneself. Well, he must be a devotee. He seems like a nice person. He must be a devotee too. Hmm. Um, and with regard to rasa, we find many examples of devotees in different rasas seeing others in other rasas as if, for example, a sakirasa bhakti may think Oh, the gopis, they said this. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing Ram and Krishna and their coward friends and cows heading into the forest. Therefore, see, they actually want Sakyarasa. So this is a subjective experience of example of, of how someone in one rasa looks at others in other rasas, as if, that is to say, their rasa is the best. And everybody must be desiring it. This is the subjective um, perspective. Hmm. Now, with regard to the dasya bhakti, hmm, um, the interesting thing is that there's some truth to it, objective truth to it. In other words, the subjective experience that I'm a dasya bhakta, and this is the best, and everybody really is a dasya bhakta when you look at it or wants to be or this kind of perspective, while it's subjective, there's some objective truth to it too, because the fact of the matter is that every form of love of Krishna is a basic, arises out of a serving ego. And therefore, it said, Jibera surupoi Krishna nitidas. Every jiva is a servant of Krishna. Hmm? That expresses itself as in, in friendly love, and romantic love, and parental love, and so forth. But it's all arising out of a serving ego. So therefore, it's we we do put a focus on culturing the serving ego it, itself. Hmm? And in this chapter, in his comments, I should say, on on this verse, the sixth chapter of Adilila, Krishnadas goes uh, speaking, kind of takes the voice of Advaitacharya in Dasyabhav, hmm? And says, really, all the coward boys won't, are really in Dasya, and really, all Nandamarsh is actually really a servant. And the gopis just see, and he cites these different verses where you, know, you wouldn't have interpreted it like that, but from the subjective point of Dasya Bhakti, they, he's making that kind of um, projection. It's very charming in a way. And then the culmination of it all is, of course, and he, you know, he goes up the, the, the ladder. I mean, the highest end of the ladder, of course, is the inhabitants of Vrindavan themselves, but the bigger people, ostensibly bigger, Sukadev, Narada, Brahma, and so he's, he's describing them all, 
as um, servants. And then he comes, of course, to himself, Mahavishnu. Hmm? The examples there in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? And, and then, of course, it, and it culminates in what? He's making this case that everybody's really serving. Dasyabhav is really um, the ideal. This is very, of course, one side point here is this is very relative to Gorlila because everyone in Gorlila is a Dasyabhakta. And he lists them, Gadadhar, Nityananda, they're all Dasyabhaktas in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even while they may be gopis in relation to Krishna or friends of Krishna, in relation to Mahaprabhu, this particular form of Krishna, they are in Dasyabhava, a special kind of Dasyabhava that, that, that makes up very much of the Gorlila. Hmm? But besides that, as I say, on a ladder as he goes up, everyone is a servant. He culminates in not only himself, hmm? Mahavishnu desires to be a servant, Ekala Ishwar Krishna, Arsabriti. Only Krishna is the master. Everyone the servant. All forms of divinity. And then what does it culminate in? Indeed, Krishna himself wants to taste the mood of a devotee. Hmm? And for this reason he comes and Advaita called him and, and so on and so forth. So so the very, very beautiful chapter, um, and if understood in this way, it's a, it's a very um, powerful in terms of the uh, aspiration to convert our enjoying ego into a serving ego, which is then the basis of bhakti, which obviously is a way of becoming like Advaita is, well, similar but different, one with Bhagavan that's different than um, the idea of oneness with Brahman in Advaitavad. Of course, Advaita is one because he's Hari himself. We can be one in the context of bhakti, but here Advaita is speaking about himself as a devotee, and and we can extrapolate that the, the kind of dynamic oneness hmm, or union with the Absolute that's possible through bhakti, which is, again, it's a dynamic form of oneness, very different than the static idea and illusory idea, really, of Advaita Vedanta, because it's not true that there are no individual souls. So, and it's not true that there is no world. No world. Hmm? These are distortions of the sacred text. And, of course, then, as further on the point of Dasya Bhakti, we find that what Krishnadas is saying here about Advaita Charja in terms of his Dasya Bhakti is very much played out in the Leela. And I'll conclude with this, which is the wonderful story of how Advaita, the, the lengths that Advaita went to in order to um, establish that he himself, hmm, who was 52 years old when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared, so according to the culture, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu should have been very respectful to Advaita. By the time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a 20-year-old boy, Advaita Charja was 72 years old, so you'd think you'd have a little respect for an elder, elderly, saintly person. So Mahaprabhu naturally conducted himself accordingly. Vaishnava etiquette was something very important to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's the, it's the ornament of the devotee. Hmm? So he was quite uh, strict about that, 
And he showed great regard to Advaita Acharya, but it frustrated Advaita no end. Hmm? Advaita had the insight. I prayed for Krishna to come. He's come. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, is Krishna himself. Hmm? When I was teaching Bhagavad Gita in my class, and I came in the 13th chapter, Purusha Prakriti Yoga, hmm? and there Krishna des- describes himself, my hands are everywhere, my legs are everywhere. And how I could give a bhakti interpretation of this, it sounds very Brahman-like. At that time, in the dream at night, was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to me and said, it should be understood like this. My devotees are everywhere, and everywhere they're making offerings. And wherever they're making offerings, my hands are there, my mouths are there, and so forth. Hmm? And I'm accepting a very, very, very beautiful bhakti explanation of that verse that's, that sounds rather formless, if you will. So anyway, he had his different insights that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Krishna that I called for and so forth. Hmm? Devotees, more than all this is kind of going in and out of that. He is Krishna. He's, he's the best devotee of Krishna. This is the Leela. So, reflecting on the the tattva, if you will, that Krishna's too Bhagavan Swayam, Krishna's the source of, of Narayan, Mahavishnu and so forth, Advaita, very much wanted to establish that in, in no uncertain terms, but Mahaprabhu was always deflecting his attempts to do so. So the measure of his frustration and the measure of his determination to make this point in the context of the Leela um, reached a, uh, its zenith when Adwaita and Shantipur began to explain the Bhagavad Gita from an Advaitin point of view, very much out of character. Mm-hmm. And he gave Bhakti a secondary thing and so forth. And Bhakti keeps God at a distance and... Uh, and so weight is easier and this guy and so news came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu the old man at Waita is now teaching about Gyan over Bhakti so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had been informed but he went there and, and, and there he chastised Waita very strongly as a young man he took him and threw him off the dais cannot sit on this yasana in, 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 in my group and speak this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Nityananda was just dancing in ecstasy, relishing the Advaitas on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Sita, Sita Devi, oh, don't stop, you'll kill him. Like this. It's described like this very strongly. And Advaita got up finally and he said, uh, he's, I, I've shown, I've shown. You are the, you are the master. I am the servant. Hmm? Yeah. So this is uh, his, his joy. He went to great extremes to try to, try to establish this position, which is a cornerstone of the philosophy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Krishna's two, Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the source of Narayan, and his Purusha avatars, the Vishnu's, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So the chapter ends, I'm uh, Chaitanya Das, Chaitanya Das, Chaitanya Das. I'm a servant of Chaitanya, servant of Chaitanya, servant of Chaitanya. Everybody should be. That's very powerful um, advocacy of 
of Dasi Bhakti in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, of course, to Krishna, of course, as well. But in Gorlila, it's, it's um, um, very much the case. We know the Goswamis, for example, their ideal is Manjari Bhav, to be a handmaid of Radha and Krishna Lila. And the corresponding uh, Swarup in which they are eternally manifested in Gorlila is one of a young Brahman boy in Dasya Bhakti. Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his Acharya Lila. So he's teaching about Krishna. In, in the eternal Namadweep, he's always doing Krishna Kirtan, worshipping Krishna hmm, with the devotees and so on and so forth. So there's a special kind of Dasya Bhakti. Hmm. And this chapter very much emphasizes that. Srimanadvaita Charja Ki Jai. Advaita Charja Vibhava Mahamosvatiti Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanande. Adi Bhakti.